understanding your emotions and you know, taking hold of your emotions. We're going to progress a little uh, uh, further. Uh, this is me and my emotions, uh, this series of teachings, and we're going to just progress a little further, like I said. Um, I'm going to attempt at dealing you know, with negative emotions tonight. How do you handle negative emotions? How do you um, overcome negative emotions? We're going to start out with the effects of negative emotions, and we're going to look at how we handle negative emotions. And if, you, if I have time, I'm going to zero in on a particular one. We can handle anger or fear or rejection, but most, most likely anger. But look at how to practically handle that and deal with it. And um, also, if I have time, I, 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 I actually feel I have to create time for that. Uh, feel impressed to you know, minister to people and pray with people. And this, this, this was the thought that the Spirit of God put on my heart. When... Like I said last Wednesday, when emotions become overpowering, and if you're not here last Wednesday, please get the message. We try to explain what emotions are. Uh, we try to explain and dissect what, um, you know, we dissected what, how God created man and what man is supposed to be like. Man is essentially a spirit. Um, he lives in the body. And he has a soul. And we say that um, aside of the man spirit, the second important uh, aspect of man is the soul of the man, not his body. Because today, uh, um, some of us can spend one hour behind the mirror, two hours behind the mirror, you know, and try to put this body in shape. But the truth, like I said last Wednesday, um, for a lot of us here, you would rather pick a car with a brand new engine uh, but a beaten down body. Right? I mean, rather than picking a car that has you know, a, a, a good body work or brand new body, but the engine cannot carry you from here to Victoria Island. And, you know, that's, that's the mistake we make a lot of the time. We pay attention, a lot of attention, you know, to, to the physical. If people will actually pay attention to their souls, the same way we pay attention to our bodies, uh, we will live a far better life. The, uh, our lives will progress faster. Faster. You know, one of the most difficult things for human beings to do, for instance, is to think and arrange things in order of importance. So, highly effective people are people who can think and, you know, segment life in order of importance. Issues of life, you know, and things to pursue. That's, that's what separates effective people from ineffective people. And our thinking faculty is part of our soul. That which connects us with the elements of this world and how things work in this world. Because the spirit of man was created to relate with God. Primarily, the spirit is what connects us to God. So I pick signals in the spirit with my spirit. But my mind interprets such signals. I hope you are still with me. Yeah. That's why, and you know, life is about interpretation. Life is, is about perspectives. So that's why you can see somebody who is extremely spiritual when it comes to spiritual disciplines. A person can fast, can do 
anything, can pray from morning till night. If the robber is not meeting the road, it's just religion. Prayer and fasting is to sharpen my spirit and by implication, sharpen my mind so that my mind will not be dull. Am I still communicating with somebody here? So I can pick signals and interpret them accurately. Even the word of God is given to us to nourish our spirit and renew our mind. So the Bible says, in First Peter, I think chapter two, verse two, as newborn babes uh, desire the sincere milk of the work that you can grow thereby. And the Bible says in Romans chapter twelve, verse two, but be not conformed to this word, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the word of God, and the word of God is the tool of renewal. I hope you are still with me tonight. So the Bible, the word of God, has been given to us to feed our spirit. So that our spirit can grow and to renew our minds so that it can be sharp. Because a dog Christian cannot glorify God. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. But that's just an aspect of the mind. The, the, the reasoning faculty, the intellect, the ability to be sharp. Another aspect of the mind was what we started discussing last Wednesday, which is the emotion. Broadly speaking, like I said last Wednesday, the, the, the soul of man is the, 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 the mind of man, the emotions of man, uh, the willpower. Yeah. And those are the things that we essentially uh, connect with this world with. We connect uh, with God as spirit. That's why if you continue to speak in tongues, and everybody you meet on the road, you speak in tongues with them, they will call 911 very soon and pack you up and put you in the car. Before you know it, you're in a psychiatric hospital. Why? Because speaking in tongues is a spiritual language. It connects you with God, not with human beings. <laughs> Are you still with me? To connect with human beings, you speak earthly language. And you have a good grasp of earthly language and a command of it. I hope I'm communicating. Right. So you have a command of it. So you connect vitally with the world around you. But you see, the most tricky part of it is our feelings. Our feelings. You know, I tried to, I, I, I did this better last week, so get the city, like I said. But the most vital part of the soul of man, the very vital part that, you know, you know, really where we trip off a lot of the time. It's our feeling. Our handling our feelings. So a man can be an intellectual, a professor, but when it comes to handling the emotion, he is weak or she is weak. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Then the devil starts to take advantage of us. Hebrews chapter 12, I read from verse 15 to 17 of Hebrews chapter 12. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness. And you see, when you have bitterness, that's an emotion. That's a feeling. I'm bitter. I hope you understand what I'm saying. That's, that's a feeling. That's, he said, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this 
many become defiled. This is talking about the strength of negative emotions in the scheme of things when it comes to a believer. Because this letter was not written to unbelievers. Many become defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for a morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterwards, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Now, if you, if you have ever read the story of Esau before, Esau and Jacob, and how, even though we say Jacob is, uh, uh, you know, we call him a 419 guy, a supplanter, he took what didn't belong to him. But, it, it, I mean, it's just a joke. You can't say he took what didn't belong to him. He bought it with something. Somebody had the ability to delay gratification. The other person couldn't manage his emotion. And you see, when your emotions start to take hold of you, you are not able to gauge things in relative value or relative order of importance. So when you realize somebody's emotion, it's not the person that cries all the time only. Also, it's the one that cannot appropriately value things in, you know, in, this, you know, in, in, in life and in the scheme of things generally. Because here, Scripture was talking about handling our emotions. He said, Looking carefully, lest any, any, anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness. Now, he was talking about root of bitterness and all of a sudden using Esau as an example. Because he was just talking about negative emotions. Root of bitterness springing uh, up caused trouble. And he said, by this, many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator. At the root of such sins and habits like fornication is our inability to manage our emotions. Am I still communicating? Inability to, inability to manage our feelings. No, I was teaching at um, a youth conference, was it last week or two weeks ago? I think I we talked about it, I think in church last Sunday or two Sundays ago. Where, you know, I was talking to young people, mostly undergrads and, you know, young professionals. And somebody asked me a question about love at, love at first sight. And I said, look, you know the truth? I, I mean, for once, I, I, I felt good after I spoke. Because you know there are some things that you, you shouldn't say authoritatively. You shouldn't be too authoritative. But you can express your opinion. So I said, this is me. My name is Godman Akinlabi. I don't believe in love at first sight. I believe in attraction at first sight. Because attraction is an emotional thing. All right? Yeah. Now, after the attraction, I gauge my feelings. And then I, I gauge it based on knowledge. Because for you to say I love someone is based on knowledge. I hope you understand what I'm saying. It's not what you are feeling in your body because feelings are fleeting. They're temporary. An emotional person, therefore, is the one that feels a pull towards the opposite, opposite sex 
and cannot control that pull. It's a feeling. It's just a feeling. And you know what people don't understand? Feelings lack the power to kill. Feelings cannot take anybody's life. So I'm, I can have a feeling that I refuse to uh, uh, you know, give expression to. And that does not mean I'm going to die. I, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. I can control that, 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 that feeling. And the Bible says here that the person who lacks the ability to control feelings, what we call emotions, is a profane person. Is a fornicator. That's the, those are the examples you use. So let there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for a morsel of food, you know, Esau didn't sleep with anybody's wife. But Scripture said he's like a fornicator. He said a, a fornicator or a profane person. And said, who for a morsel of food, he could not, Esau could not control that feeling of, I have to eat now. And like I said, when we become emotional, it's not just when we start to cry or yell or do all those things that people see and say you're emotional. When you cannot accurately judge value, then you are simply emotional. Your emotions have taken over. When you cannot arrange things in the order of importance, your emotions have taken over. Is somebody still with me today? So if you're asking me, Pastor, when do I know? How do I know that I'm being emotional? It's when you start to see blue and you're calling it beige. <laughs> you're becoming emotional. You're becoming emotional. And you know, the, the dangerous thing about Emotions is that all through the Bible, you see how emotions wreck people. How emotions wreck people. One emotion that wrecked people most in the Bible is the emotion that is called anger. The anger feeling, the feeling of anger. Wrecked Moses, for instance. People lost their destinies because of their lack, you know, their inability to control their emotions. Emotions like fear, just being afraid of the unknown, fear of the future. Emotions like rejection, which eventually leads to low self-esteem. So when you look through the Bible, you see all these feelings. Because rejection is a feeling. It's not real a lot of the time. In fact, you know what? People reject themselves more than people, people actually reject them. Because rejection is a feeling. People, I, I mean, I'm aware that some people reject other people, you know, and make them feel rejected. 
but until you accept that you should feel you should feel somehow nobody has the right to make you feel that way so this is uh, pastor edris sitting there and now what do you mean pastor edris uh pastor edris can i talk to you he said no i'm busy uh can i have your phone no in fact go as i walk away from there i have a choice life is about interpretation ladies and gentlemen i have a choice the emotion, the feeling of rejection is not supposed to be automatic. It's not supposed to be conferred on you. That means the other person has more power than you. And when, see, one of the things that God has given us power over in life is how we feel. I can decide how I feel about anything in any situation, whatever I'm going through, I choose my feelings. Not the situation, not the circumstance, not the other person. I can always choose my feelings. That's what is called the ability to delay gratification. Especially when it's, when, when it's fun. We call it ability to delay gratification. When the end product is going to be fun, like Esau. Esau was hungry. But skipping one meal cannot kill anybody. And that instance where he could not, he could not accurately, you know, interpret the relative importance of the morsel of bread or the red stew, like we read in, in Genesis, and the birthright, which happened to be an intangible blessing, a tangible resource, because a lot of the time, I'm digressing a lot, uh, but a lot of the time, Especially in Africa, one of our major problems is that physical things appeal to us that intangible resources. So, if there are some people, as I speak now in this Nigeria, if you put them here now and say, take this job and you will be paid half a million naira every month, or take this one, they'll pay you 150k. And Plus the 150K, they will enroll you for a program. <laughs> See, people are already laughing. You'll be enrolled for a program that can lead to a second degree or a postgraduate, you know, or something or multiple skills that can position you in the future, not only to earn more than that, but to own the company. So most people will say future, ah. Future. Future. So how are we different from Esau? Tell me. No, that's just the truth. How are we different from Esau? Because I'm, I'm trying to make it practical. How are we different from Esau? Because that was exactly what happened. Esau said, give me this red stew, this this, <laughs> you know, they, 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 they made it, actually, it wasn't as bad as Hebrew put it, Mosel of bread, it was better than Mosel of bread. Because the Bible says, Esau loved red stew. <laughs> Whatever the comp- component <laughs> of the red stew <laughs> is, I don't know, but said they loved it, you know. And when he saw it, that Jacob just finished preparing it, 
all everything, all the you know the nerves in his body, everything wanted it. And the smart guy Jacob said, What do you have in exchange? Then give me your bad try. Which is supposed to be the blessing that comes upon the firstborn. And it's, it's the, that blessing is a prostate check. Your father has to go. Then you just take that blessing and run with it. That was where, why when Isaac, the Bible says, was weak and you know, he couldn't see properly again. He said, let me release this blessing. So my son, bring me venison that I may bless you. Bring something to provoke it. Isaac just wanted something to provoke. You know, there are some things you do that provoke. Have you bought a big gift for your father before? You know, the prayer is always different. Because <laughs> you have provoked the blessing. Even for pastors, it's the same. You provoke the thing, the thing will flow. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> you can provoke the blessing. So it was, the idea was, and then all of a sudden, was a different person. The person that qualified for it. Forget about whether his mother helped him. That's how life works out. They didn't have any private conversation. But when something has been registered in heaven, when the time comes, heaven rearranges things. But he bought it with something small. Africa, if we will gain speed and move forward, we must place the premium where it belongs. You know, there's value, serious value in intangible resource. Knowledge. You can't touch knowledge. But whoever has it, has the future. Are you still with me today? Yeah. This is the information age. Tangible resource. More important than the things we can touch. Somebody who cannot manage his emotion will always go for the things that can, you can touch. Yeah. That's why for most young men in this country today, their definition of breakthrough, Jesus Christ, their real definition of breakthrough, you will just see, you see a modern day Esau. You ask a fresh graduate, what's the definition of breakthrough? The kind of things he'll be telling you, you just, this is Esau, Esau. You just be seeing Esau. Ask a young lady. And that's why, you know, also it's affecting our relationships. Why? Because we put our emotions ahead. We make decisions without considering relative value. Because when you become emotional, like I said, you lose sense of value. And relative importance. So, a young Esau approaches a young Esauress, or what do we call it? <laughs> she saw, yeah. Thank you, Pity. <laughs> so, a young Esau approaches a she saw. When you hear their conversation, all you'll be saying is, Lord, have mercy. Lord have mercy. Because this is a time bomb. A time bomb that can explode anytime. And some are now exploding three months into the marriage. Some are exploding six months into the marriage. 
Many are not even making it to the first anniversary of the marriage. Why? Because our priorities are... I mean, I, I, know, I know a young man <laughs> who bought a brand new BMW X6 <laughs> for, for his wife. It's presented on wedding day. Brand new. You know, we take her to church, you know, and all that. That marriage did not... They didn't see the first anniversary. I mean, I'm not telling you a story that I read, though. These are people that I know. They're not members of this church, though. <laughs> <laughs> and for your information, they are also not from where I was coming from. So they are not in my spiritual family by any chance. But I know them. So, we need to pay attention. Serious attention. Let me go a little further. People have a way of spiritualizing things when it comes to mismanagement of emotions. The truth is this. Whenever you see emotions, you know, overriding somebody's life, taking control of somebody's life, and overwhelming somebody's life, and making them to take the wrong decisions, it has taken the dimension of a spirit. I hope you understand what I'm saying. That's why, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, the Bible says, Paul writing to Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Of power, of love. Did you see the sound mind there? Because before fear will take hold of your life, it means that your mind is no longer very sound. When fear has taken an overwhelming position or level in somebody's life, it's no longer a simple emotion. It's a spirit. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. So we talk about the spirit of anger. We talk about the spirit of depression. But you know, my only problem with all this is that when we're supposed to take charge and do the right things and have the right perspective to these emotions, we refuse to do so until they assume the dimension of a spirit that we cannot control. And for some people, the dimension you have right now is not any spirit at all. You just need to wake up. You are not possessed by the spirit of fear. You are just fearful. Are you still with me? Because they're two different things completely. You are not possessed by the spirit of fear. You are just fearful. Hello, do you see me? Can I get an usher? Please, Pastor, let an usher take her out. All right, I can go on now. A lot of the time, what we assume 
is that this thing is completely out of control. There's nothing we can do about it. And it's a spirit. So, pastor, I need deliverance. A lot of the time, not all the time, a lot of the time, Christians open themselves up for demons to come in. So the demons drag you out of faith completely. Because before a demon can possess you, you are, you have, you have, you, you know, you backslid. All right? Your faith is, has been completely broken down. And you are, you have opened yourself up because now you live in doubt consistently. You can't even believe that God can protect you or that God can, you know, take hold with you to deal with what is happening. That's when it can assume that dimension. If you are here tonight, you are not in a state where you are broken fellowship with God, where you are com- completely, you know, you backslide completely. You don't carry any spirit. You just need to wake up. You are not carrying any spirit. You just need to wake up. Are you still with me? You just need to wake up. Because one of the ways by which human beings are different from animals is that we have the choice when it comes to how we feel about anything. Are you still with me? I said, are you still with me? And Paul writing here, he said, God has not given us. If he didn't give it, wherever you got it from, back to. And if I'm still with God, whatever God is not giving, I can't get it. Are you still with me? Yeah. If I'm connected, that's why I said you have to be completely disconnected from God for something that God doesn't give to be living in you. Yeah. If God is not the one giving it, I can't have it because I'm connected to God. Are you still with me? I said, are you still with me? So overpowering feelings, notwithstanding how overpowering they can be, if you're sure that you are a believer Born of God, filled with the Holy Ghost. The devil is just playing on your emotions. You don't have a spirit. As in you don't have any demon. And you can deal with that overpowering feeling and overpowering emotion. With the word of God. With the word of God. Some of the most dangerous emotions, you know, wrecking havoc on man today. Uh, anger, fear, rejection. Guilt. In fact, when you study the scripture very well, you realize that what opens the door to negative emotions in the life of man, the first negative emotion that opens the door to other negative emotion is guilt. Because before, when you read Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, chapter 3, those 
three chapters of Genesis, you realize that before man started to have negative feelings, he first of all sinned and was then hiding himself from God. Am I saying the truth? Guilt. Bible says your iniquities have separated you from God. The moment iniquity comes in, sin comes in, we see ourselves lower than we're supposed to see ourselves. And, in fact, our ability to reason at certain levels also reduce. Because guilt is a powerful emotion. Condemnation, the feeling of condemnation, very, very strong emotions. That's where man got the first feeling that he could not do certain things. Before then, man never thought, I mean, it was not, he, 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 he never crossed his mind that there are certain things he could not do. When the devil came, ah, you don't know that life is passing you by. It's this thing. You'll be able to do this, do that, do that. The man heard it and realized that instead of that, it was nakedness that he was seeing. And the feeling of insecurity. You see, what we call, what the scripture calls nakedness is, is much more than that. Do you know how you feel when you're naked? And other people are looking. It's a feeling of insecurity. Man felt that way for the first time. Because the glory of God departed from him when he committed sin. And those are the things that introduce negative feelings. And they will now have them in big sizes today. And yet, those are the things that we are still dealing with uh, the most right now. Praise God. I said praise God. Tonight I love to pray for People who may be saying, look, pastor, I need, to, I need to be, you know, straight with you. There are certain feelings that I know are becoming overpowering. As I pray for you tonight, I want you to know that grace will come upon you to break the hold of that feeling over you. But much more than that, to give you strength and the courage to choose how you want to feel. I said what I said earlier on so that somebody doesn't, you know, pray for yourself or come out to be prayed for and you're feeling they have to cast something out of my life. And then you leave, the devil will say, they have not casted anything. So you see, that thing that's wrong with you is still there, still wrong with you. (laughs) That's why I said, I, I explained it earlier. That except you are cut off from God, there's nothing inside you. The devil is just trying to harass you and bamboozle you. Because some people will say, I woke up in the morning, and you see, when I started just thinking about that thing like this, something just came upon me, and I started to cry. And I couldn't think, I couldn't do anything again that I can't even pray, you know. Have you heard that before? I hear it all the time, I'm a pastor. Because you just finished counseling somebody and you say, you know what? Just go, you just continue to pray and all that. Pastor, I can't pray. I've not been praying. You know, when, when that feeling comes upon me like this, I don't even know how to worship God again when it comes upon me. 
You're looking at somebody that the devil has harassed and made you feel like you are not in control of your feelings at all. Before I pray, I'll say a few things, but you literally just impress something in my heart. I'm trying to be as practical as I can be tonight. See, I've not been digging scripture too much because I wanted, I just want, I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to help me to be practical. Let me explain two things that has helped me personally in managing my emotions in a practical form. One is that you need to understand your personality, your temperament. And the second one is your ability to trail thoughts. Because the devil throws thoughts to us. You know, he, 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 does, he can suggest things. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. That's why the Bible says the weapon of our warfare is not carnal, but mighty through God. For the pulling down of strongholds, strongholds are very strong suggestions that have passed suggestion, that has become a mindset and a normal way of reasoning. And it's a casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So the devil does what is called auto-suggestion. Suggesting things to us. So I wake up in the morning. And I don't believe that there's a side of the bed that you have to wake up from. You can literally walk from the middle of your bed down out if you have a problem with left side or right side. Just make sure you jump out. If you are still struggling with that, just anytime you wake up, just jump off your bed. Don't bother which side. I'm just kidding. Some people say you wake up on the left side or the right side of your bed. So that morning you just woke up and you just had a feeling that things will not be all right. And then you connected it back to all the things that have not been all right this year. And then before you know it, you start to remember all the people annoying you. And then before you know it, if you are married, your spouse becomes the first object of annoyance. <laughs> and then that's how it progresses. So, while you are in that state of mind, then your spouse probably is waking up or coming in from another place. And the person just walks past in your mind. See how the person is even walking. Can somebody work better than this in the morning? <laughs> Am I saying the truth? Just walk, you know. So your spouse <laughs> comes, uh, probably say, Hi, good morning. Yeah. Immediately you are thinking, Is this how to greet somebody in the morning? Am I, am I connecting? Because that's how it connects. Connect. The thing will build. Before you know it, as you are going out, you have accepted it that it cannot be a good day. Am I saying the truth? That's how the devil works. So if you really want to be able to manage your emotions, you need to understand where certain feelings come from, the things that trigger them. 
The Bible says we cast down imaginations. So an imagination comes to my mind. Something. This is from the devil. I know you. You are coming. Because you know it's going to connect with another feeling, another feeling, another thought, one old thought. And before you know it, they will gang up and completely take control of your feeling. If you're married here, listen to me. Anytime you realize that you're getting angry with your spouse unnecessarily, or you cannot explain, just slow down. And try to analyze where the thing is coming from. You realize you have connected thoughts with thoughts. And when they come like that, holding hands and joining, the chain becomes long. They overpower you. It comes so long, they overpower you. If you are a manager here in your office, and you get to work, and you just realize that you are connecting fault with fault with fault, and you cannot slow down to say, okay, this may be a legitimate wrongdoing, but why is it that everything I'm seeing about everybody in my unit today is all the bad things that they have done, and I'm angry with all of them at once? At least you can be angry with one person and report that person to the other person and, you know, not that you just connect everybody, everybody in this place, they are all knucklehead, they are, you know. You are losing something gradually. And if you cannot connect it back, that's what the Bible says. That the weapon of our warfare is mighty through God with sound mind to track imaginations and put them down. This one, you are leading me. To a dangerous place. I pull you down in the name of Jesus under the blood. Wicked thoughts, strongholds. You know, in terms of relationships, let me tell you what strongholds are in terms of relationships. Belief systems. If you counsel singles and married people like myself, you will see that when you sit down, for instance, you sit down with a couple. And maybe they have little issues they're trying to resolve. You cannot engage 10 minutes of discussion and somebody will not say, my spouse is like this. Is always doing this. Is when you hear that, those are mindset. The Bible calls them strongholds. So, if you believe your spouse is always walking towards the left. Eh? When your spouse is walking towards the right, your mind says that right is going to lead to the left. Even though it's going in a different direction. Because that walking towards the left is a stronghold. It's a groove. See, this ground is, you know, perfectly flat. If you put a groove on it and just pour water anyhow, all the water will find the place to that groove and pass that groove. So that's how it works. When we have created grooves on our mind based on 
belief systems that we have refused to allow the Holy Spirit to break down anything that is poured into our minds will walk through that groove. Couples have a way of believing that this is how my spouse is and this person cannot change. How do you release your faith to get somebody to change that you have believed cannot change? It's not possible. Because you always want situations to validate your feelings about the person. So if we are supposed to pray for them that they will change, we don't pray. Because you say, I have to be right. I said it. That's how this thing is going to come out. That's, that's how this thing is going to end. You know he's a very spiritual person. Who knows how something is going to end? You have spoken to your spouse about it. Your spouse refuses to listen. And you can still go to the place of prayer to avert what you have seen. And you are willing not to be vindicated. That's a spiritual person. Because some people will say, ah, I told you, you will see it that way. You exactly the way I see, you will see it. Except the Lord is not living. <laughs> As the Lord liveth, that's how it's going to happen. Because you just want to prove a point. And then when it happens like that, I've said it. They have said it does not change anything. The man is sad. You are saying I said it. So if you say it again, you say it again. And if the man is not very spiritual, I will say, I know now. You are a witch. Is that not how it starts? Because it also takes a spiritual person who can control his emotion to be able to accept to say, okay, maybe she was making sense and I need to rethink. If not, the person will begin to say, ah, you said it the other time, you said it that, that means I need to suspect you. They sent you. So what am I saying? Belief systems, especially about the closest people to us, our spouses, our friends, we need to work on them. Because those are the things that the devil uses. Some other times, the belief system we're talking about is a belief system about myself. About myself. My internal monologue is more important than anything that anybody is saying in the world about me. What I'm saying about myself is more powerful than what anybody is saying about me. Let me prove that to you in Numbers 13. You read from verse 32. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as, as, as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. But at least people are still living there. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Praise God. 
when your internal monologue is, you, you know me now, this is how I am, this is, uh, you know, you know the way we talk to ourselves. If you like yourself, you're telling yourself, if you like yourself, better don't greet that man because he won't answer you. You know he doesn't like you. And it's because you don't have money. If you have money, he will answer you. You know, and you continue to talk like that. Or you tell you, it's because you are not fine. You know, if you are, if you are finer than this, he will greet you better. By the time we start to talk to ourselves that way, we are calling forth other negative emotions. Because one has said, you know now, you don't have money, or you know you are not fine. Or you know it's because, it's because you came from one village. That's why everybody in this office do like to relate with you. And then that feeling will bring another feeling. Another feeling that will bring some sense of inadequacy. It starts to give room to other inadequacies in your life for you to say, look, maybe this is how I'm supposed to be. And maybe that's how I'm supposed to be. And these are the things that actually really bring out negative emotion. Some of the most angry people in the world today have very terrible internal monologue you know, about themselves. Yeah. So when they meet people who may want to validate their internal monologue, they react. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. They... A lot of the time when people react very sharply, it's either they're frustrated, they feel insecure, you know, or they're fearful. And all those three are emotions. Frustration, insecurity. Why will I be so angry if not that somebody's making me insecure? So like I said, we need to understand how to trail thoughts. And the second thing is we need to understand our temperament. A melancholic temperament person is somebody who is given to a lot of thinking, less talk, internal organization, you understand? A person is more prone to rationalizing things, and not showing emotions. I hope you understand what I'm saying. They keep everything inside. The phlegmatic person is almost the same. They find it difficult to pull themselves. When you push them too much, they react sharply. So, a choleric person is a, you know, go-getter, everything, boo 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 and when you stand on their way, they bulldoze you, chase you out, you know, they're very bossy, and they can headboot anybody to get off their way. They want to achieve things fast and quick and now. And the way it works in life is God brings maybe a phlegmatic with a choleric. He brings a sanguine with a melancholy. A sanguine person is this happy-go-lucky, always smiling, overly emotional. You know, is it to cry? Let's cry together. <laughs> if it's to laugh, let's laugh together. You can laugh from now till... And they don't, they don't recognize time. If it's time to laugh, we just laugh until 
All the time has gone. Yeah! Okay. Let's go. There are some other things to do. I hope you are still with me. When you recognize who you are and seek to understand yourself well enough, it has a way of helping you to be able to manage your emotions. Yeah. So a sanguine person will get to a point where you tell yourself, if I talk more than this, I'll put myself into trouble. So, I know I'm a talker. Melancholy will get to a point where you say, there's a crucial conversation to be made. If I keep quiet more than this, I'll create trouble. When thoughts are piling up, I need to tell myself, I need to let go of some of these things. So that it doesn't become destructive. Especially when I have so many things to say. And I'm still saying, I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to talk. You know, in anger management, there's what is called explosion and implosion. Some people, because of their temperament, they implode. They are in, inside, bombs are, you know, <laughs> going out. People don't understand what is happening, but they're already losing it. Some, you know, because people who explode, you know, they explode at people. People who implode, they implode. They, they, it's like exploding at themselves. And before it gets to that point, you need to realize that what the Bible says is that you have the power to control how you feel. I have the power to control how I feel. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love. Power and of a sound mind. So I have the power to control how I feel. When my internal monologue is about to begin to work against my destiny and my joy, which is my birthright the day I gave my life to Jesus. Because the Bible says when we give our life to Jesus, the earnest of the Spirit, a measure of the Spirit was given to us. And ladies and gentlemen, joy is more than an emotion. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So if I'm born again, it's my inheritance because of the person that gave birth to me. God is never sad. In his presence is fullness of joy. Are you still with me tonight? <laughs> fullness of joy. If there's something I should lose control of, is joy. Because that one is coming from God. So it just flows in my heart, you know. If it starts to flow now, as I'm here now, and I start to misbehave, you know what you will say? The Holy Ghost is upon him. <laughs> Am I saying the truth? Because that's where it flows from. Because I can start to laugh now, hilarious. And you know, the Holy, sometimes the Holy Spirit lifts people just, you know, just at the same time. If all of a sudden now, my face changed. And I start to misbehave and call people names. And it's coming from somewhere. And where it's coming from, I have power over it. Are you still with me? Yeah. The devil is under my feet. And if he's the custodian of negative emotions, 
And the Bible says, I can resist the devil and he will flee from me. I can stand against that feeling of sadness and it will leave me. I can stand against that fear that is paralyzing initiative and is stopping me from wanting to move forward, taking decisions and trying out things and it will leave me. So when I feel the joy of the Lord in my heart, I say, bring it on, Holy Ghost. Bring it on, Holy Ghost. Real joy cannot be too much. It's supposed to be overflowing. It's supposed to be overflowing. It's supposed to be overflowing. You know, like, like a river. Just flowing. Just flowing. Just flowing. Just flowing. So it becomes contagious. And the joy of the Lord from you can flow to somebody else. Then they feel the Spirit of God. And they, they tell you, anytime you're around me, I'm just, I'm just always happy. That's the Holy Ghost. Glory be to Jesus. Lift your two hands with me tonight. And just talk to that same Holy Spirit. I need your joy in my life. That overwhelming feeling of security and goodness that comes from the Holy Ghost. That overwhelming feeling of adequacy. Goodness, peace, security. That's, that's the joy that we're talking about. That's what's supposed to be overwhelming us. Not anger or fear or any form of intimidation or harassment from the devil. So somebody here tonight, you need to stand against whatever God has not given you. If God has not given me the spirit of fear, fear cannot hang around me. I know when it's all said and done, it's only the will of God that will be done in my life. So why shall I fear? Why shall I be afraid? Since the Lord is on my side, the Lord is always on my side. The Lord is always on my side. Somebody here tonight, you need to declare it, and I hear it clearly in my spirit. Somebody here tonight, you need to declare, I am not afraid of lack. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. I'm not afraid of being broke. Because if you can overcome that fear tonight, you will take better decisions. You take decisions that will move your life forward. I'm not afraid of poverty. God holds everything and it's my father. Because I sense in my spirit the fear of poverty is getting somebody to do the wrong thing here tonight. Somebody, you're taking something that does not belong to you and it's just because of fear of poverty. Stop it! Don't be like Esau. God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you have sufficiency in all things and at all times and that you are bound unto all good works. That's what the scripture says. And if you won't give up on God, you don't have to sleep with somebody to get money. You don't have to falsify figures to get money. Break the hold of the fear of lack and poverty over your life. Once and for all. 
Tell yourself, I'm not going to cheat for money. Because I'm not afraid of lacking money. Somebody talk to God tonight and just tell him, Lord Jesus, the hold of negative emotions have broken over my life. I'm free. The only thing that, I have, that will have access to my heart and mind are the things that flow from the Holy Spirit. So from tonight, I embrace peace. I embrace joy. I thank you for that overwhelming feeling of security, adequacy, overwhelming feeling of peace. That reassurance that all things are working together for my good. That can only come from the Holy Ghost. And it's here tonight. And it's pouring that feeling upon somebody here. That feeling is chasing away. Chasing away every other feeling. As we round off tonight, if there's anyone here, you have a feeling that is becoming overwhelming. Whatever it may be. Thank God.